0: Before we started, I was like, oh, I should have looked up, like, Landeskirchen.
1: Well, I've done my Wikipedia search and looked for all the English terms of German church history. So, I'm good, I think. Speaking
0: with Uli today, he is a pastor in Lippe, Germany, and we're going to discuss the structure of the German Protestant church in Germany. And I think one of the reasons this is could be of interest outside of just mere curiosity is that I think when you look at how churches are structured in different societies, it can color and add nuance to the way we understand the church and the state as well as how Christian and religious traditions function within societies differently and maybe add some perspective to one's own state of things is usually wherever we're brought up. We take that as just the way things are. Uli, welcome to the Rochatzema. Thank you very much. Before I jump into the questions, I thought I'd give a little bit of a overview of my own background and some of the ways the American churches tend to be organized. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. This isn't going to be comprehensive, but it will be an overview for people from Germany or others outside of the states who might have different ways religion is organized there, as well as just to kind of paint a picture to juxtapose what we're going to get into and hear from you. And I would say growing up more in Protestant circles, but more evangelical conservative circles, generally these are organized by denominations, and denominations tend to have some sort of confessional unity, but they are often loosely connected insofar as each church is on its own. It's ruled by maybe a group of elders, and these elders work with a local pastor, and if he falls out of favor, they can even fire him. Also, many of the churches, almost all of them, are completely financed by their attendees, and so... It's an impetus for people to want to have larger churches because you have a larger pool of people to tithe to your church and and support it financially. You know, this also allows then for each pastor to, I think, have a little bit more authority as oftentimes there's not a lot of oversight from a, a larger institution, and Then this also plays into just a general Christian consumerism as well. So, even though you might have charismatics and Baptists and all the multitude of other churches, there there is sort of a a Christian consumerism that's, you know, Christian self help books, coffee mugs, music. There's a lot of continuity when it comes to that side of it. So, most of the charismatics and the Baptists are going to attend the same. Kind of Christian music concerts or buy maybe the same Christian self help books, coffee mugs. Of course, there are distinctions. There's always fragmentation, but that is one thing that I think is very, very unified. So that's just kind of a general picture of that. I don't know if you have any questions before we get into the structure of the church
1: in Germany. No, I think it's quite clear. The churches have to finance themselves by their attendees. Um, the German structure is completely different. For somebody from the outside,
0: like when I first showed up in Germany, and I'm trying to understand without any background, how would you say that the church is structured just in a general sense, the Protestant church there?
1: They are divided into the provinces or the so-called states. And then if you are a Protestant, you have to pay taxes, so-called church taxes. And you pay that to the state? No, I pay it to the church. But the state does collect it for the church. And do they take anything out of it, or
0: is it just entirely goes to the church?
1: They take a bit of it out of it uh, for the administration. The, the churches pay the state to collect the taxes.
0: And is there, or I'll just share real quick right now. When I first showed up, I remember registering with the Bonn I think, and they have kind of a multiple choice thing that you can check from if you're non-religious, Catholic, Protestant, other, and I checked Protestant, because I was, Mm -hmm. without anything else, other after checking that box, automatically from my university paycheck, that was taken out of it. Just a small, just a very, very small amount. But it was funny that it, it wasn't that I had a choice to give to the church, it's just if I was Protestant, I was taxed for it.
1: That's it. Which is some, uh, both things. Uh, sometimes it, it's a blessing, and uh, in, in other ways it's completely opposite. We say sometimes a
0: blessing or a curse. A curse, yes. So in what ways is it a blessing?
1: The churches, through the uh, taxes, they are quite independent. They don't have to work the way to, um, how do you call it, gefallen. Like the favor. Yeah, Oh, you don't have to please the congregants in order to receive financial stability. Yeah, to please. To please is the right way to say it, yes. And the churches are quite independent in the ways of uh, giving charities and uh, so on and so forth. That's the um, good things about the taxes, I would say. And the curse side of it? The curse side of it, I see it every day. not, Not every day, but every month when we have our... Oh, like a committee meeting maybe, a presbytery presbytery meeting? Presbytery meeting, yes, yeah. It's, it's, it maybe where the elders meet and so on and so forth. We have it monthly. And then there are always the guys who leave the church because they have to pay taxes. And you can see it quite clearly. The first pay, when they, the people get the first paycheck, When they are 25 or um, maybe a little bit older or a little bit younger, then they see, oh, I have to pay taxes for the church. What does the church for me? Then they conclude, I don't need the church and I have to pay for it. So I leave it.
0: And have you known friends who do that when they get their first paycheck,
1: that they leave the church? Not, Not particularly, no. But uh, I have some people in my family who did it because of it. Interesting. Even with you being a pastor. When that happened, I wasn't a pastor. So, <laughs> But I haven't uh, got them back. So I'm on, on, I'm on the way. So when
0: you register as a Protestant, is there, and I kind of know some of these answers already, but just to kind of have you flesh them out, is there... One Protestant church in Germany, or are the why is it split into the different regions? I guess that's kind of two questions.
1: There is not one single church, it is split into regions, and that is because Germany wasn't Germany always. It was patches of independent states which unified in 1871 to one Germany, Bismarck, and everything. Yeah, Bismarck and everything, yes. The proclamation of the Kaiser or the Emperor. Was this a forced unification? It was a forced unification, yes. Through three wars in 1862, 1866, and 1871 against Denmark, Austria, and France. But that's not the start. The start uh, was in the 16th century or even before that. There was the Holy Roman Empire, which was mainly German states and a bit of the Netherlands and the complete middle of Europe.
0: And for anyone who's confused, the Holy Roman Empire was not the Roman Empire. It was a later Middle Ages empire, Charlemagne and all all that stuff, which is, I think, sometimes easy to confuse the Holy is a very significant part of that.
1: Yeah, it was constituted in the ninth century, I think. And there were seven prince-electors who elected the king of Germany or the Holy Roman Empire. And those kings, prince-electors, were all across Germany. There were seven of them. Those seven persons did vote for the, or or did elect the king which was then crowned by the Pope. And
0: do you think this was the beginning of the regional churches in some ways? Yeah. Those different prince electors? Yeah, absolutely. And now the Protestant churches, like the one in in Lippa, is it independent of the other churches, or how do they coordinate
1: with each other? It is independent in many ways. We have an own constitution. We get our own taxes. That's one, one of the things. All the people who live in the district of Lippe have to pay taxes to the church of Lippe.
0: And are all the Landeskirchen, are they different confessions? Like, what is the church of Lippe?
1: There are two main confessions. First of all, there's the Lutheran confession and also the Reformed Confession, it is called in Germany, which is mainly constituted by the Calvinists. Those are the main confessions. And then there are also unified churches. Which is a combination of Lutheran and Calvinist or
0: Reformed. And is each regional church, like in Lippe, are you guys, do you have multiple confessions or is it just one of them? That is pretty
1: tricky. Mainly the church of Lippe is uh, Reformed. But there's also one so called classus, which is Lutheran. That has a a historical anomaly because the Prince of Lippe wanted to become reformed in 1605. There was the Peace of Augsburg, which allowed the head of state to choose the religion. The term was Cuius Regio, Eius Religio, who rules can choose the religion. Let's say, you're
0: living in that area at that time by the Peace of Augsburg. And let's say I'm a Lutheran, but the prince decides yeah. that they're going to be reformed. Or, or Catholic. Yeah, or Catholic.
1: Essentially, that's what you're going to be and you don't have a choice. Or you have to leave the realm in which the head of state rules, yes. Many did it. There was uh, quite a bit of uh, migration, but uh, many people didn't care. Because it it was uh, not always done with pitchforks or uh, with soldiers coming in and moving everybody out, but it was most of the time it, it was done by when the when the priest died or something like that, the new priest or pastor was elected by the head of state. Oh, so it was a more organic
0: transition. It wasn't, yeah, that they said you pastors are going out, but when they would die, then they would
1: just appoint a new one. Yeah, in most of most parts in which I lived was the case like that. But there were some people who cared about their religion, they had to leave.
0: And it's interesting that there is a lot of reformed in Germany. I think when people think of Germany, they tend to think of Luther. Yeah. So in some ways, it's surprising that Germany isn't just the Protestant church,
1: isn't all Lutheran. And yeah, now we are, we are back, it's the Holy Roman Empire. <laughs> because Switzerland belonged to the Holy Roman Empire. And therefore, there were always discussions between Zwingli and Luther. They did agree on everything but the case of the communion. And that was really what stopped the
0: unification between Reformed and Lutheran? The only thing. Which is interesting that they were that close. You know, by today's standards, I think there's a little more looseness when it comes to, i mean obviously you have transubstantiation with the catholics which is quite different than uh a protestant understanding but within protestantism i think there's a lot of leeway
1: yeah but the lutherans think there's a consubstantiation consubstantiation It's kind of a tricky word <laughs> yeah it is which so is pretty much the same as the catholic thing from your understanding As a Reformed. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The difference is uh, that the bread is transformed into the body of Christ in the moment you take it into your mouth. And the Catholic understanding is that the priest does it. Now, I'm not as knowledgeable on the Lutheran view, but I know the
0: Catholic view makes much more sense. I didn't realize we'd get talking on this, but it is interesting that, that the Catholic view is based on Aristotelian philosophy, so it is changed yeah. in its essence, but not in its substance. I believe so. You in Aristotelian philosophy, you have everything has a substance and an essence. Physically, the bread would have the same molecules that bread has, but in its essence, I hope I'm getting those right. That's right. You're you're right. But with yeah, so the essence act essentially changes. Now I'm not I'm not as yeah. familiar with the consubstantiation if it is based on similar philosophical distinctions as the transubstantiation. I think it's kind of more mystical in nature. It is more mystical, a bit
1: more mystical, yes.
0: Because I think in Catholicism, it actually is, in its
1: essence, blood and... Body of Christ, yes.
0: Where I think the other one it is, but in this kind of obscure mystical sense.
1: And it is only the body of Christ in the instance of the communion. When it's not used as the body of Christ, then it becomes bread again, plain bread.
0: And can you give your brief Reformed distinction between those two and where your church stands? Yeah,
1: my church stands on the point that there is no change in the substance or in the essence of the bread or, or the wine, but we have communion through the Holy Ghost who comes down from heaven when we take bread and wine together. And then one last distinction that still
0: has a larger spiritual significance than it does for Baptists, for instance. Because Baptists believe that it's only symbolic. There is nothing really that it does as an outworking or manifestation of grace. It's merely the symbolism of Christ's sacrifice, which also goes to show why most free churches, Baptist churches, don't regularly have communion. It might be a seasonal thing on Easter. Whereas I think even with the Reformed, it still plays a larger role in the liturgy or the service.
1: Yes, that's that's right. But Ulrich Zwingli from Zurich was one of those who said it's purely symbolic. But Calvin said it's not purely symbolic. This is the instance of the Holy Ghost who does come down. And then relating this to the
0: different Churches. So in Germany, it's not only German due to the, or uh, sorry, Lutheran due to the Holy Roman Empire because of Zwingli in some ways providing some, securing some elements of reformed areas. But then later that allowed also Calvinism to grab hold in certain regions.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: Yeah, so I don't know if you have any kind of summary thoughts on. It doesn't necessarily have to be pros and cons, but just as, you know, your situation there and and the way it's taxed and the way you're, you know, it it works in society, if you have any, yeah, just general thoughts.
1: Uh, Well, uh, the, the good thing is due to the constitution of the Protestant churches in Germany, there's always a bit of change. They are open for reformation.